Thank you for being here tonight. I know it's warm. I am not in control of that. Talk to God about it. He is in control of it. Um, but uh, I, I thank you for being here. It's, uh, again, I, I know it's warm. But just imagine how warm it would be if we didn't have the air on since 1030 this morning. So, so, so we thank God for air conditioning. And, uh, amen. I, I want to. I want to talk a little bit tonight, and where we start, it may seem like, oh, we've talked about this before, this is repetitive. Well, maybe the first four or five minutes will be repetitive, but then we're going to dig in a little deeper in a specific area, okay? So we're just going to do a little study tonight. I, I want to talk tonight about speaking in tongues. Is that okay? We don't do that too often. I mean, we, we speak in tongues a lot, but we don't talk about it all the time. Um, and you, you've heard me, many of you, if you've been here, you've heard me teach before about different types of tongues from the scripture. So we're not going to go through all of that in detail tonight. Okay. Uh, but I want, I want to touch on some things briefly and then deep dive a little further in one area. So we know, first of all, are you ready? Here we go. So we know, first of all, that. Speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Okay, this is not something we learn to do in our human ability. I have heard of, I've never personally witnessed it, I have heard of people teaching other people how to speak in tongues. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's not God. Now, I believe you can teach someone, hey, you need to learn to yield. Let's tell you what happens. This is... And you can share things from the word and teach them what the word says. But you don't say, here, repeat after me and you'll be able You understand. And so, but tongues are biblical. We know this. Um, but there's some confusion about it. And I don't stand here telling you I have it 100% to every letter, every detail figured out. But I think we got a little bit of understanding from the word of God. So we know first and foremost we see speaking in other tongues first happens in the book of Acts. It's the first time we see it actually take place. In Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Ghost poured out on the day of Pentecost, the promise of the Father that was spoken of from Luke chapter 24. And so we see the Holy Ghost poured out, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. The Spirit of God gave them the words to speak. They hadn't learned the language. They hadn't learned to speak in tongues. The Spirit of God moved on them, and as they yielded to the Spirit of God, they began to speak in a language they had not learned. Okay? That's speaking in tongues. It's speaking a language you have not learned. So we see, first and foremost, speaking in tongues is, throughout the Scripture, the initial evidence of the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We see that in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. We see it in Acts chapter 10. Verses 44 through 46. We see it in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Each of those instances, we see people filled with the Holy Ghost. And each of those instances, we see them begin to speak with other tongues. In Acts 10, it's very, very clear. There were Jews that went with Peter to Cornelius' house in Caesarea. And the Jews declared, we know that they received the Holy Ghost. These Gentiles received the Holy Ghost the same way we did, the Jews said. And it says, how did they know this? For they heard them speak with tongues. And magnify God. 
that was the indicator to the Jews that they had received the Holy Ghost as well as they had because they spoke with tongues. We see it in Acts chapter 19. Paul comes to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, Paul comes to disciples, believers. Oh, by the way, Cornelius was a believer. But an angel said, go get Peter. He'll tell you what you ought to do. And Peter began to preach to them Christ, and they received the Holy Ghost. And then Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so in Acts 19, Paul comes to believers or disciples at Ephesus. And they said that they're believers, but they had not heard of the Holy Ghost when he mentioned it to them. So they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they received the Holy Ghost when he laid hands on it. And the Bible says, and they spake with tongues. So we see first, and this the initial evidence of the infilling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, one will speak with tongues. I, I've said this multiple times because I think it, it seems to put the focus in the right spot. Sometimes people focus on tongues, which is the wrong thing to focus on. Our focus is the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And I was once asked an interesting question. We were t- a group of guys, we were talking about it, and I thought the response that came from someone much more seasoned and mature and studious than I, it, it marked me, said, so do you have to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Ghost? And the gentleman had my attention because he said no. And I knew what he believed. I was like, and he said, no, you don't have to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Ghost. He said, but when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. What he was doing was saying, hey, the focus isn't the tongue. The focus is the infilling of the spirit. But the scripture bears out the initial evidence is you do speak in other tongues. Okay? So, so that's one type. We're not going to talk any deeper about that tonight. We can do another Bible study on that sometime if that brings questions to you. But we'll leave that there. Um, the second place that we see and that you see it most often, exercised anyway, is in prayer. Tongues is a place of prayer. Um, Romans 8 and 26 tells us we know not what we should pray for as we ought or as we are. We just don't know how to pray. You ever had a situation where you're like, man, I, I need God to intervene, but I just don't know what to pray. Well, the scripture tells us we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit, and if you look in your Bible, notice what's the capital S in Romans eight twenty six, says, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Okay? This is prayer in the spirit. It's not in a language we've learned. And so Jude said in the 20th verse of Jude's letter, he said, building up your most holy faith or building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so we could go into a lot more verses, but these are just the quick touches tonight. We pray in tongues. If you've been here tonight, and you've been here obviously, as we were worshiping, you probably heard people praying in tongues. Okay? That does not mean they were receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost right then. Necessarily. I don't know every single person right in the moment. But I know many who are already filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So what they were doing when they were, they were praying in tongues. They were yielding to the Spirit of God that dwells within them and that's moving in this room. And they begin to pray in tongues. Right? 
We, we see that in lots of verses in the Bible, talked about, mentioned, referenced. You've heard of spiritual warfare, intercession, the Bible. These are things that are done. We don't know how we should pray, but the Spirit knows what to pray. Okay? And we'll touch on some more verses about that when we go a little deeper here. So now go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is the third area that we see tongues. And the confusion that has come sometimes is that all three of these are the same. Now, we know it's the same spirit. It is the spirit of God that fills one with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that that brings about that initial evidence. It is the spirit of God to which we yield and pray when we pray in tongues. But... Praying in tongues is not the same as the initial evidence of receiving the same spirit, but different manifestations of tongues. Is this making sense? Okay. And where confusion comes and where error comes is when people try to say, hey, tongues in and of itself is one and the same all the time, anytime it's in operation. And usually that hangs up because of these verses where we're going to dig a little deeper tonight. Okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a chapter that speaks of the gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to go through all of them, but we're going to look at this one. 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is writing, and we're sort of about halfway through or so him listing out and spelling out some of the gifts of the Spirit. In verse 10, he says, to another, talking about a gift being given by the Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. So here we see a third type of tongues. This is different than the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is different than praying in tongues. This is a... Utterance given where the Spirit of the Lord speaks through a yielded vessel. And then there is the interpretation of what is said. Is this making sense? So this is, some people say, well, man, I was in church and and somebody was praying and they were praying and I was, they were praying in tongues, but I kept waiting and nobody was telling me what they were saying. It's different. You're going to see that. We're going to read it in the Bible. You don't have to just take my word for it. Okay? But this is the third type. This is the gift of tongues. That's not the same as the Holy Ghost. You will speak in tongues when you receive the Holy Ghost. But that's different than what Paul is writing here about a spiritual gift of tongues. All right? So, fast forward to verse 27. We could read the whole chapter. We're not for sake of time. I just want you to see these mentions and we'll tie it together. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church. Now he talks about, we didn't read all these verses, but he talks about all the gifts of the Spirit and how everybody doesn't operate in every gift of the Spirit. But I promise you, everybody that receives the gift of the Holy Ghost will speak in tongues. 
But Paul is saying these spiritual gifts here, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, interpretation of tongues, diversity of tongues. Everybody, he said, won't operate in these gifts of the Spirit. But they will be given to severally as God chooses for the edifying of the body. And so you can read that. He goes through all that in those other verses. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. There it is, right? Are all apostles? Yes or no? No. Are all prophets? Yes or no? Okay. See, we're just going to walk through this again. Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Not in this context. Not in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit like this. See, this is where people get in trouble. Because what happens is people take this verse out of 1 Corinthians 12 and says, hold on, do all speak with... No, 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 no. Paul was very clear. Everybody doesn't speak with tongues. He's talking about a gift of the Spirit that is tongues and interpretation. He's not talking about the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. We have to draw this distinction. Don't worry, we're going to read more. Paul draws it for us. Okay? But it's important to understand this because what has happened in error is men and well-meaning people have taken this verse, whether they've interpreted that way or they've heard it taught that way, and so they've latched onto it that way. They've taken this one verse out of Scripture and said, well, everybody's not meant to speak with tongues. Well, not in the spiritual gift anymore that everybody's meant to be an apostle or everybody's meant to heal the gift of healing. But everyone who receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost will speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Okay. Chapter 13. This really could be like a five-hour study. Aren't you thankful it's not? You're going to have to go dig some more. But, but we, need to have, we need to have some understanding of what Paul teaches about these things. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul is continuing the thought. You understand, man put the chapters there. Paul didn't write a letter to the church at Corinth and say, okay, chapter 1 of my letter, chapter 2 of my letter, chapter 3 of my letter. Paul wrote one letter. Well, he wrote two letters to the church at Corinth, but the first letter he wrote is 1 Corinthians, and it was one letter. So it flowed. He writes about this, and now he's continuing right on in chapter 13. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... So there's tongues of angels, too. He said, though I... Do you believe that? Paul said he spoke with tongues of angels. There must be. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Okay? So here he's saying, hey... It's great to speak with tongues. I do. I speak with understanding. But he says you got to have love. Love should be what these things flow through. Skip down. Verse number 8. He continues. Charity or love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, what? They shall fail. Whether there be tongues, what? 
they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now, here's another verse where people take one verse and they pull something out of that verse. Okay? And some have taken this verse where it says, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And they say, no, tongues was for the New Testament church then, but tongues are no longer for the church now. That's a misinterpretation of this verse. Okay, we'll see it. We're going to keep walking through the word here, okay? But I'm pausing here because I want you to see how at times... Now, hear me tonight. This is not casting stones at people who misunderstand it or pull it out of context. But we need to understand what the word of God says... So that if someone does, we are talking to someone and they take it out of context or do they don't have the understanding. We can, in love, as Paul is writing about in chapter, we can, in love, share the fullness of what the scripture says about it. All right. So what's he talking about when tongue, whether there's tongues, they shall cease. Well, if we stop reading at verse eight, we can definitely take it out of context and say, well, tongues will cease. Well, it will. But you got to see, read the rest to understand when. Okay, verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come. You see that? So this is when. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Does that make sense? We just got to read the word. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part. Paul said we know in part, we prophesy in part. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, as long as we're walking on this earth, we don't have full understanding and full revelation of all the depth and goodness and glory of God. But when he catches the church away and we're with him, we no longer know in part. We now know him in the fullness. Right. Bible. John said we shall know him as he is. Right. I'm getting that twisted up. We'll see him as he is for we'll know him. We'll be like him. Right. We're not like him yet. He dwells in us, but we're not like him yet. And so but when that which is perfect, then that which is in part shall be done away. So tongues are not done away with already. But keep in mind, Paul is still talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation. He didn't change Subjects here. All right. So skip down to 1 Corinthians 14. Again, Paul's still writing. Man, put the chapters there. We're in chapter 14 now. Verse 1. Follow after charity. Notice he didn't say follow after the gifts. Follow after love. God is love, by the way. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not to men, but to who? That's prayer. Or it can be prayer. It can also be this gift of the Spirit where someone's speaking in tongues to God, and then there's an interpreter that's needed, the gift of interpretation that's needed. Okay, this speaking out is this declaring. 
He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not to men, but to God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now that Paul's statement there agrees with what Jude said about praying in the Holy Ghost. When Jude said, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You're building up yourselves. That's edifying yourself. Paul said, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. Now watch what Paul said in verse 5. I would that you all speak with tongues. Is that what he said? I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. He's talking about a spiritual gift in operation. Now, we don't have time to go through all of it here. Paul references in chapter 14, but he references later on in the chapter, in verses 25 through 27, he's talking about how what was happening at Corinth was all these people were coming to church, and everybody had a prophetic utterance in tongues. It was like, this person's feeling something in the Holy Ghost, and they stand up, and they... Let out a message. And, and then over here, well, not to be outdone, I've got the message. And he said, well, well, hold on a minute. God does everything decent in order. He says that later in chapter 14. And so he gives instruction on those things. But watch here. Skip down to verse 12. You can go back and read the whole chapter. But again, for sake of time tonight. Remember what he said in verse 5, I would that you all speak with tongues. Verse 12, even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, I want you to notice this verse, wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue What's he or she supposed to do? Pray that he may interpret. Now, I can't find any evidence in the book of Acts where someone was filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, or Acts 19 where they were then instructed, okay, hold on a minute, pause and begin to pray for an interpretation of what you just declared. Why? Because it was not the gift of tongues and interpretation that Paul is speaking about right here. It was the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. But here he's addressing the gift of the Spirit that he started talking about in chapter 12. And here he's saying, if you've given to tongues and it is a prophetic utterance in tongues, it becomes recognizable then the one who gave that prophetic utterance in tongues should begin to pray for an interpretation of it. 
Now, if you were here Sunday, you witnessed that. All right. I have been. I feel like an old person. This is what they used to say when I was when I was a kid. This is what old people would say. It just came to me this way. I've never. I don't think I've. I have been in the way. Anybody ever heard that? I've been in the way. I don't mean like, man, get out of my way. You're in the way. I, I remember here when I was younger, elderly people said, man, I've been in the way, talking about the way of, to walk. I, I, I've been in this way for my whole life, 53 years almost. And I can tell you through the many multiple times I've witnessed the gift of this, this gift of the spirit in operation, these gifts of the spirit, the prophetic utterance in tongues and then the interpretation of tongues. And. God in his infinite grace, there's been a time or two where I have been used on one or both sides of that. It never ceases to amaze me, as those of you that are here Sunday morning witness, how that when that utterance from the Lord comes in tongues, before it happens, the whole room seems to go quiet. When I was a kid, you know what they called that? The holy hush. That they call it. Because I, it still marvels me to this day. There were always kids in church that would never be quiet. Right? Some of your parents are like, I know of some of those. All right. But it would never see when the presence of God would manifest in that manner that he was beginning getting ready to declare something in a, an utterance in tongues. The whole room, every child, every there would just come up. The whole church could be praying in the spirit or praying with under, but that spirit of the Lord would manifest itself that he wanted to de declare something prophetically in tongues. And nobody went around and said, hold on, everybody, quiet down for a minute. I've, I've never heard that in my experience. It just came across the room. Anybody else in your life? Raise your hand if you, if you know this to be true. Who did that? The spirit of God did that. That's different than what we felt earlier when we were worshiping God in song and lifting our voice in prayer. And some were praying in tongues. I didn't feel like, whoa, man, hold on. I hear tongues. I should quiet down and wait for somebody to interpret whatever. No, I knew somebody was praying and worshiping God in an unknown language. Is this, is this making sense? The scripture makes this clear. So Paul, when he's talking about the gift of tongues in terms of a prophetic utterance in tongues and interpretation. He says, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. All right. So, Brother Jerry, when he gave an utterance in tongues on Sunday morning, there was a burden of responsibility on him to begin to pray that he may interpret. Now, does that mean he's the only one that can interpret? No. I've witnessed multiple people at different times. I don't mean all at the same time. I've witnessed multiple. I've witnessed where multiple people have tried to interpret. And I'm like, hold on. Somebody ain't in the Holy Ghost. Somebody's operating in their flesh. I've witnessed where one would give the message in tongues. Another would interpret. I, I've seen that many times through my life. Now. But if I'm used in the first, I begin praying for the second. Okay. This is what Paul is talking about in terms of let him pray that he may interpret. This is what he's talking about in the earlier part when he says it should be spoken with understanding for the edification of the body. 
because I've also witnessed, and maybe some of you have as well, I've also witnessed at times where some the holy hush, if I can call it that, would come over the room, and we there would be a witness, and the Spirit of the Lord would speak out in tongues through a vessel, and then everyone would be waiting, and no interpretation would come. And so that's not edifying to the body, right? That's what Paul's talking about. Does this make sense? That's what Paul's talking about. And so what was happening in the church in Corinth, people would come in and they, were, they would have something in tongues, and they, but nobody would interpret. He's like, this is, this is not good. And he began to talk about order in that. And so, um, I don't know where those are my 13. Thank God for a screen. So let's go to the next verse, 14. Uh, go back to 13 again. Sorry, Brother Renee. Now, wherefore let him that speaketh. Everybody say speaketh. Oh, very good. You just spoketh. Um, Paul said, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray. So we know he's talking about the gift that he referenced in chapter 12, verse 10. Yes? He that speaketh. Now, verse 14, notice, he said, for if I, what? Aha. He didn't say, if I speak in an unknown tongue. Praying is speaking, yes. But Paul drew a distinction between verse 13, where he said, he that speaketh. And here, if I pray. And by the way, they are two distinctly different words. The words, not just in the English language, but in the Greek that Paul was writing in. In the words, speaketh in, chapter, in verse 13, when he said speaketh, it's to declare and utter forth a declaration. Pray is for you and I to let this aligns, not surprisingly as we expect it should, this aligns with what Paul said in verse 2 of this same chapter when he said, he that speaks in unknown tongues speaks not to men but to God. Well, if I'm speaking to God, prayer is a way of speaking to God. He's drawn a distinction between the gift of the Spirit that he talked about in 12 and 10, verse, chapter 12, verse 10, and simply praying in an unknown tongue, which you probably heard as we were worshiping the Lord tonight in song and spirit. It's important that we understand this distinction of tongues. And so... Now that we've come to this point, I, I go back to what I said earlier. What happens is, is human beings like you and I, because we're all fallible. We don't all, none of us have it all figured out. We're learning and growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll take one or two of these verses and they make any time someone speaks with tongues, says, oh, it has to be what Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. And so if there's no interpretation, that's not of God. No, no, no. There's the Holy Ghost praying in tongues, and there's tongues in interpretation. Okay? Paul was trying to set this in order here. So verse 14, he said, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Watch verse 15. What is it then? Did he say, I'll stop praying in the Spirit? 
No. Matter of fact, he affirmed, I will pray in the Spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. I'll do both. Praying is different than the word speaking that he was talking about when he was talking about the gift. Okay, so he's given allusion to praying in tongues here. He even said, I'll sing with the Spirit. We don't see that or hear that too often. Um, I have, my grandmother would do that a lot when I was a kid. When we'd be in a service, I remember it, and the Spirit of God would move on her, and it was like, she was just lost. She really was. She was just, I mean, she was like, it didn't matter if anybody else was there. It was sort of embarrassing to me at times as a kid. Is that too honest? Oh, what I would give to experience it one more time with her now. But she would just begin to sing. She would sing at the Spirit. Paul said he sings with the Spirit. There's been a time or two I've done that. I don't know if I've ever done it publicly with everybody, but it's a wonderful feeling to have the Spirit of the Lord flow through you in song that way. Paul said, I do that. He said, I sing with the understanding also. All right. Verse 16. So he's talking about these differences. And he says, else when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say, Amen, at your giving of thanks, seeing he doesn't understand what you say. For you verily or truly give thanks well. See, he's not finding fault that someone was giving thanks in tongues. He said, for truly you give thanks well. But the other is not edified. I thank my God. Paul was trying to make sure they didn't turn off tongues. I Maybe turn off isn't the best word, but. That they didn't stop yielding to the flow of the Spirit to speak with tongues. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. I believe Paul stayed in a place of prayer where he prayed consistently in the Spirit. We know he prayed in the Spirit. He told us he did. Okay. He was encouraging it, but he was trying to draw understanding to the operation of the spiritual gift of tongues and interpretation. Verse 19, yet in the church, notice, I had rather speak. He uses the word speak here again, not pray. He switches back to this word. I had rather speak five words with my understanding. He's not talking about being in a group like this and standing over here. And worshiping God and praying and going, okay, now, right now, I'd really like to make sure I'm speaking with understanding. He's talking about, in our environment, standing like here. And say, now I had rather speak five words with understanding. How do we know that? Because of the next statement. That by my voice, I might teach others also. If I stand up here and for the next 20 minutes, I just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I go, praise God, wasn't that so rich? Thank you. Have a great night. And you may be like, 
it might have done something for you, and I think I felt something, but I don't know anything different than I did 15 minutes before you started. See, Paul, when he says, I had rather speak five words, this is another thing that gets taken out of context. Some have said you should only pray in tongues in your private place. No. Here he's saying when he says, I'd rather speak five words in the church. It's when he's teaching that by my voice, I might teach others also. I know we're just walking through this sort of methodically, but we need to see what the word says to us so we have understanding. Paul made it clear, but aren't you thankful for the word of God? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? And so I want to teach then 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Okay. We're finishing up here. Here's how you're going to know it. Go all the way to verse 39. See how that happened? We just went all went from verse 19 all the way to 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. And what? Forbid not to speak with tongues. But don't discount verse 40 either. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, I might get myself in trouble here. I've been known to do that. As we were worshiping the Lord earlier, singing, lifting our voice, praising God. Did anybody feel like, man, this is crazy chaos. This is completely out of order. It was decent, and it was in order. What was in order? It was in order to glorify God and magnify God. It was decent. Some were singing the words of the song in worship. Some were praying with understanding in worship. Some were praying in the spirit in worship. But it was decent, and it was in order. I've also seen it be the gift of the spirit and operation of the prophetic tongue and the interpretation and it not be in order. You got two different people trying it. It's like, oh, something's not right here. Paul was addressing that too. You'd know that if you read all those verses we skipped over. Okay. Amen. We want, desire, and believe the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation in the church. Amen. I want these gifts of the Spirit. It was beautiful to me for the Lord to speak to us the way he did through tongues and interpretation on Sunday morning. I want that gift of the Spirit in operation in the church. The Lord wants it to be there. Is that going to happen in every single service, every single time? I don't necessarily think so. It could. But any more than the gift of healing happens every single time. Could it? Absolutely, if the Lord so chooses. And, and perhaps he wants those things to more than they do because of us getting in the way. We, but it's important that we understand what the word of God teaches about these things. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we stand together tonight?
Thank you for your word, God. Maybe you could just thank the Lord together right now for his goodness, for his mercy. We love you, Lord. You are holy and righteous and good. I thank you for your ministry to us, your word that never fails, your grace that is all sufficient. You are my rock and my fortress, and I thank you, Father. I give you glory tonight. I give you honor tonight. You are holy and worthy, Jesus. You are holy and you are worthy, Jesus. You are holy and you are worthy, Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you and we praise you, God. The... Some have said that they have mischaracterized, ignorantly, I don't think uh, maliciously in any way. They've mischaracterized when someone receives the Holy Ghost, they have made statements like, oh, they have the gift of tongues. Not necessarily. Okay, the gift is what we just read in chapter 12 and 10. You receive the Holy Ghost, that's the gift. But that doesn't necessarily mean that person has or operates in the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. These are characterizations of the ministry and manifestation of the Spirit of God. But if we just have a little bit of understanding of the Word of God, we can walk in truth, not error. Amen? Praise God. I think that's it. I'm glad you're here tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord on this. I uh, feel like I'm closing out an instructional course or something tonight. I know it's a little different, um, but I felt it important the way the Lord has been dealing with me to walk through these things. And if you have questions, come ask, please. Please. Come ask. Uh and, but you'll run into people who will have questions, and now you can go to the Word and you can give an answer from the Word of God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. I was going to say it's wonderful to have Sister Spinover with us. She sort of slipped out. Uh, but uh, always a privilege when she is with us. Remember, uh, we, we have people traveling.